stop trying to dig for information from your date. Maybe they're all kind of gay because everyone's gay, Max. It feels so wrong, but it feels so good. So weird. Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose. We're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today we are discussing season one, episode nine, Heat Wave. Or as I like to call it, the male gaze. According to IMDb, this is the one where hormones run high when Roswell is hit with an unusual heat wave. This episode was written by Jason K. Timms, our executive producer. This is one of 15 episodes for which he has a writing credit, and it was directed by Patrick Norris. This is the first of 13 Roswell episodes that he will direct across all three seasons. And when I was complaining to my partner, who works in the film and television industry, about this episode and how this guy was uh, fetishizing young female bodies... Uh, my partner was like, oh, yeah, I've worked with him. So oh. according to my inside source, he's probably not a creep. He's just giving the people what they want. Um, so I, I asked for a quote that I could use in the episode from someone who's worked with this director. And my partner said, and I quote, he was fine. <laughs> so there Great. you go, folks. Great. Just That's fine. the hot gas. Yeah. So he's um he's exclusively a television director. Um so my partner said like he was good. He knew what he was doing. He worked with Jason K. Tim's previously directing the New Year episode of My So-Called Life called Resolutions, which is fantastic. He then also worked with Jason K. Tim's on his later projects, Friday Night Lights and Parenthood. He's done a ton of TV work. And notably, he directed a few episodes of Second Noah, which is a show that I never get to talk about, but I loved it when I was like eight years old, and it introduced me to James Marsden, and also to Joey Lauren Adams, and they're both really great. And also, this is a show that Seventh Heaven totally ripped off, so whatever. I watched Seventh Heaven. Yeah, me too. I also watched Second Noah. There are some TV shows I have seen. I'm so excited. (laughs) I have not met anyone else who's watched Second Noah, so yay. I don't remember it really well, but I do definitely remember that I watched it. I've never heard of it. It's a little-known show. I Objectively, it probably was bad, but like again, I was eight years old, and I was like, oh, this is so dramatic and cool. It was like grown-up stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Patrick Norris most recently directed a few episodes of the Apple TV series Dickinson, starring Haley Steinfeld as Emily Dickinson. I really want to see that. I've seen some ads for it. It looks really cool, but I haven't had time to watch it yet. So this episode aired on the 1st of December, 1999, which puts it right around the same timeline as the show itself, as the episode. So we start off in the crashdown. It's after closing time. Maria is cleaning up for the night. The first question I have is... Why is Liz sitting around eating donuts and doing her homework uh, and not helping Maria clean up at her family's own restaurant? Then Maria is cleaning up by herself. I also have a question, which is why is that donut eating presented as like a sexual activity? Also, I don't want to eat donuts in the heat. I want to eat popsicles. Also, 
I mean, you can see from the moment the scene starts how hot Maria is, right? She's all sweaty. Like, you can tell by the lighting that it's hot. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm overheated, I don't really want to touch anyone. Like, this is supposed to be like, oh, it's so hot. It's sexy. But I'm like, no, if I'm too hot, I want to, like, take a cold shower or, like, stand in front of an air conditioner, not touch people. Because other people are also sweaty. Yeah, sticky and smelly. Yeah, I also, so we get this full body pan of Maria, which is totally unnecessary. And it's just meant to show off her body. She's wearing Mm -hmm. little shorts and a little tank top. Michael comes through wearing a t-shirt and jeans. So (laughs) is Michael not as hot or do we just not care because he's a boy so we don't need to see his body on full display? I would say the latter. Yeah. But also maybe... Uh, maybe aliens regulate their temperature differently. Yeah. Oh, I also noticed a new alien power manifesting in this episode as the door of the Crashdown Diner clearly says pull on the outside and push (laughs) on the inside. And yet, from the outside, Michael pushes it and it opens. Wow. Magics. He's getting better at using his powers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I did not catch that. I did not either. <laughs> Some doors have a, a push and pull on them, but really they swing both ways. I have noticed that in the real world. It's true. Also, was anyone else as grossed out as I was by the fact that Maria and Michael then are laying on the floor yes. behind the counter? Yes. Well, she just cleaned it. Mm, with like a, a broom? Yeah, she broomed. She didn't mop. So, like, they start making out, and she leaps into his arms. I'm like, was anyone this good at making out in high school? No. Because this is, like, some advanced stuff going on. I feel like making out in high school was like, oh, where's your face? Oh, my face. Oh, uh, is this? What's a tongue for? I don't know. Oh, my God. Not, like, this is, like, they're basically in softcore porn. I made out with plenty of people in high school, and I can say unequivocally that they were all bad, myself included. So Liz comes down and sees that Maria and Michael are going at it and stands there and watches them. So weird. For a little too long, I think. I wrote, Liz, why are you still looking? Voyeurism needs to be consensual. Yeah. Speaking of voyeurism, we then get a little tiny scene of Liz in the shower, and we really don't see anything other than her face. But, like, why did we need a scene where we're meant to imagine that Liz is naked? Just so she can tell us the date. Yeah. No. And her name. Yeah. Don't forget. Yes, of course. (laughs) Elisa did actually say that what she wants to do in the heat is take a cold shower. So Liz is the only one following instructions so far. But I prefer to take showers Without people watching. Yes. <laughs> hmm. I really like, in a, an I hate it sort of way, the little speech that Liz gives us. She's walking into school then. She's like, heat expands. It melts things. It makes things boil. It sets things on fire. She doesn't say it like this, but this is how I'm picturing her saying it. Kind of does almost. So she's talking about how it just really pointed out in this blatant way how my life wasn't expanding. I was stuck. And I'm like, girl, you just found out that there are aliens from outer space living among us. And you're like, oh, my God, my life is so boring. Why doesn't anything cool ever happen? Yeah. I just almost died and this guy saved my life. And then I found out he was an alien and we went on a bunch of adventures together. Oh, nothing ever happens. <laughs> yeah, like, how often do you have an FBI agent chasing you around town? Yeah. 
exposing FBI agents. Like, I think your world is expanding, Liz. You just aren't getting the makeouts. Right. Yeah. And that continues throughout this episode where she keeps talking about things aren't moving forward. And she asks Isabel later why she doesn't move forward with things. And it's all about how your life can only move forward through a romantic or sexual relationship with someone. And I'd be like, oh, baby girl. No, no, no. You need to find fulfillment in your life in other ways. This is not it. Especially for someone who is so focused on her studies and advancing her career. Like, really? That's the way you want your life to expand? Although I can't talk. You know, when I was a teenager, I was probably focused on boys and people to make out with. Well, and like, I get it, but I also think that it plays into this thing that we always are talking about, where the writers are telling us Liz is so Mm -hmm. smart, Liz is focused on this, Liz just wants to be a scientist. But we see Liz being like, boys, 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 boys. Yeah. uh, Why isn't she ever going around just like thinking about physics or chemistry or whatever? Let's just see a little bit of that. Maybe she is. The only science we see her doing is trying to force other creatures to have sex. It's true. (laughs) We'll get there. This is like move forward, slugs. Move forward. Because I can't. You must. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ugh. Uh, and so this school has no staff members to walk around and be like, uh, you can't make out in the halls, kids. Not allowed. Well, the staff members are too busy flirting. Yeah. <laughs> so They're gross. in on it, too. Uh, that's right. I keep forgetting everyone in Roswell is awful at their jobs. <laughs> yep. Milton isn't there to help out. So, yeah. So then we're stuck with this scene where no one's there to catch Maria and Michael making out in, I guess, the eraser room where... Maria delivers this disgusting line, oh my god, oh my god. And then she says, so uncharacteristic. I was like, okay. Yeah. This is gross, and also no one talks that way. And I, in one of the Roswell books, like behind the scenes books that I got, uh, they say Mahandra Delfino, who plays Maria, said she was embarrassed about this oh god line because it made her feel like she was in a porno. Yeah, it made her sound like it too. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like right as the scene opens. So it just opens with Maria immediately like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's just so inappropriate. And she's 16. Like, the characters are all 16 years old. These aren't adults who are just, you know, enjoying themselves. This is like, it's really icky. Also, they're just making out. They're just kissing. Does she need to be saying all that? Maybe one of Michael's alien powers is uh, giving Hmm. great pleasure through simple means. Maybe. Now, where do I find myself one of these aliens (laughs) of which you speak? (laughs) Hmm, uh, Go out and find the nearest spiky-haired person and just, you know, see what's up. That's really bad advice. (laughs) (laughs) So then... Liz is in the hallway and runs into Kyle holding hands with Vicky. Yes. So Liz, at some point, while walking down the hall, changes her hair. When we first see her, it's like a little half back ponytail, but mostly down. And then she's like, oh, I sense that Kyle is coming and completely changes her hairstyle into something. It's like this little Gibson tuck ponytail thing that would take a long time. Why? Why? Why was no one paying attention? It changes again later in the same day. (laughs) I, you got like y'all, if you ever sit down and watch this show with me live, there are so many moments where I just pause the TV and then I point it and go, what? No. I'm glad I don't notice those Me things because I I'm, would be bothered. <laughs> it's infuriating. 
I don't recommend being me. Maybe she had gym class, and so now she's brushed out and redone her hair. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what yep. I'm going with. Like Maybe literally she while she was walking down yes. the hall. Okay. She had a, a quick thirty second gym yes. class. That's what I'm going with. Great. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Maybe she wanted to change her hair in case she saw Max because she was insecure about the way her hair was that day. And then later when she's in the bathroom with Maria, she changes it back. Mm-hmm. Because yep. she's like, well, I'm done having seen Max for the day. Insecurity. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm sticking with. <laughs> anyway, do you want to take us back to poor Vicky Delaney? Oh, yeah. But oh, she invites Liz to Vicky. come to the party at the old soap factory. Yeah, and she and Kyle have talked about this ahead of time. Yeah, so, like, she was like, see, I told you. Right, so like Vicky starts dating this guy who's clearly still hung up on his old girlfriend, and she's like, let's talk about her. Let's invite her to the Let's things. hang out. Let's do, like, is she just angling for a threesome? Is that what this character maybe. is about? Because otherwise, this doesn't make sense. I was hoping, though, that maybe the soap factory was a real thing also in Roswell, kind of like we found out that the cheese was a real thing. Oh, cheese factory, that yeah. Roswell is actually a big dairy producer. I could not find anything about an, a soap factory in Roswell or a defunct soap factory um, oh. outside of references of this TV show. So, womp womp. Bummer. That would have been cool if it was like a big soap industry that had closed, <laughs> that had, you know, been shut down. They shut down because all these crazy kids just kept showing up for raves. Starting fires. Yeah. Oh, we'll get there. First, we have to go to the principal's office where the yep. sheriff comes in wanting to know where Topolsky is. He knows she works for the FBI, though, so maybe he could call them, right? Or do we think he's concerned that something bad has happened to her? Like, what do, what do we think happened? He doesn't know that the kids blew her cover. So does he think she gave up on the mission and she just went away? Does he think, like, something major happened and she's going back to regroup and she's going to come in with reinforcements? Or, like, a bad guy got her? There's so many possibilities. Yeah, maybe he thinks a bad guy got her because it sounds like... Yeah, it sounds like she just disappeared. And I'm assuming he, like, tried to call her superiors. But I think everyone would just be like, Topolsky who? Mm -hmm. Liz goes to the library. She doesn't know what Alex is going to say. So uh, Max's life, Isabel's life, and Michael's life could be in danger. But the important thing that she really wants to focus on is, hey, Max, there's a party on Friday. We could, like, go and, like, make out. But instead of just telling him that there's a party which she totally could have done, she did it by talking about her ex-boyfriend and the new girl that he's dating. (laughs) Which is not the best way to invite someone to a party as your date. And she's being super, super subtle. I wrote down, Liz is the queen of subtle. She's talking about people are pairing off and Uh. moving on while she stares longingly at the other two students making out in the corner (laughs) and thinks Max will And again, they're moving forward because they're making out with each other. Because that's what progress in life looks like. The yes, is finding a yeah, mate. Liz is so awkward in this scene. I was, as usual, watching for the laugh count, and there were a couple almost laugh count material things, but really they were what I called laughing exhale. Mm-hmm. She's like, Max, do, do you want to go to this party? She's like, not really laughing and not normal talking either. And then I also thought it was weird how Liz. <laughs> asks 
Max, oh, is there something going on between Michael and Maria? Oh, no, there's nothing going on. Like, she asks him about it and then immediately denies it, which I think is weird. Like, obviously, she was asking because there's something going on. Why does she then decide, like, oh, no, well, I guess I shouldn't tell him? It was all just weird. Like, it's all just awkward. It's all Liz is bad at lying. Liz is bad at being subtle. I don't know why Max automatically thinks that it's going to be bad other than this usual thing where anything Michael does is bad, anything Maria does is bad because they're just the loose arrows and no one knows what they're going to do. Yeah. And I mean, the loose I don't think arrows? that's a saying. I've never heard. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never heard that before. I that's what I was cannon. thinking of. They are loose projectiles <laughs> that are used in a weapony manner. Got I mean, it. this arrow isn't any good either. Right? They're all fine. You no, don't want those not. lying I around just... your house getting stepped on. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that the reason Liz is so focused on Michael and Maria with Max, but maybe isn't sure how to bring it up, you know, because of the whole reason that they couldn't be together because he's an alien and she's a human. But then, you know, Michael and Maria are doing it. Yeah, this reason doesn't make sense to me, and I'll talk about it more in the science lab scene. And then, y'all, we meet Amy DeLuca. This is so exciting. She's so great. I love this character. I like Diane Farr, the actress who plays her. I would like to point out that Diane Farr is 12 years older than Mahandra Delfino, who plays her daughter, and she is 19 years younger than William Sadler, who plays her love interest. I could tell she was definitely a lot younger or a fair amount younger than William Sadler. And I got the impression they were trying to make it that she was a young mom when she had Maria. 12 is is pushing it. But I also just, I hate this trope of the older man with the younger woman. And it Mm -hmm. always is the older man with the younger woman. And because yep. you can have a man get older and age gracefully and sexily, but when a woman gets older and you just put her on the shelf and she can be the mom or she can be the like quirky friend or whatever, but she doesn't get to have moving forward type relationships with anyone. I mean, unless it's a cougar, which I feel like usually has a negative mm-hmm. connotation, whereas like a silver fox is something yeah, to be proud totally. of. Like like a dude getting a younger woman is something to be proud of but like cougars are like i don't know feel like have sort of a disdainful context to them so that show called cougar town with courtney cox and busy phillips the whole conceit right was that she's this older woman going after younger men and i think the creators hated the title they made a lot of jokes about it but like they gave up on that conceit within the first season she goes from being the cougar to they're like, oh, no, give her someone her own age to date. We're done with this now. Whereas you can have plenty of shows where there you know, are multi-year arcs of men who exclusively date younger women. That's totally fine. Yep. It's funny. I was just earlier today, because I love celebrity gossip and trash like that, I was just looking at a list of you know, celebrity relationships that have big intervals, big age gaps. Um and the vast, vast majority are mm. older man, younger woman. Um, the only time you get an older woman is in a gay relationship. I was going to say you have like Sarah Paulson. And Holland Taylor. Yep, exactly. So yeah, it is definitely a common thing. Well, and even when I know they're not together anymore, but when you had the Demi Moore Ashton Kutcher thing, I remember that being a huge deal that people were like, oh my God, mm-hmm. she's so much older than him. But like no one was saying that about 
Catherine Zeta-Jones and Michael Douglas. I mean, I was saying that, but. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's like Hugh Jackman. His wife is a lot older than him. And they've gotten a lot of hate for it. And like, I don't know if y'all saw, I mean, we're on a big tangent now, but let's just roll with it. Um, I think it was maybe late last week, like um, Keanu Reeves Mm -hmm. finally went public with like the first girlfriend that he's gone public with in decades. And they are a similar age, but she does not dye her hair. She has gray hair. She has fine lines and wrinkles. She is not severely old looking. She looks like her age. She looks like a woman in her late 40s or early 50s should look. Because it's like almost expected these days for a famous person, a famous older man to date someone that's at least 15 years younger. Or that the women are having Botox and dyeing their hair and have professional trainers and all of these things that are that, you know, the Nicole Kidman's and Julia Roberts's of the world, you know, still look like they did 20 years ago because they have all this help. So... Amy DeLuca! Yay! We get to meet her. Yay. Um, Also, it's funny because at the start of this scene, she is mad. She's like ranting and raving about how she was called in and this woman isn't even here. And by the end of the scene, just because he flirts with her, she's like happy and fine and not mad anymore. Yep. That's how moving forward works, Eliza. Oh, right. Sorry. (laughs) Also, more laughing exhales in this scene. She's kind of like awkwardly confused, but not mad anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. She doesn't seem quite into the interaction that's happening, but. <laughs> right. Hence the laughing exhales. I also thought it was interesting. She seems surprised to learn that he's a single parent. They live in a small town. He's the sheriff. He's been in law enforcement since she was 18, at least. And mm-hmm. like their kids go to school together. I don't believe that she would not know. And later on in the episode, he says, it's good to see you again. And I was like, what? They haven't seen each other since she was 18. Same thing. Their kids go to school together. How big really is Roswell? So then we go outside, which it seems like it's after school because there are buses and everything. But we later learned that they're still at school. Um, And Alex and Liz have kind of the same conversation they've been having where he's mad and she's like it's not my secret to tell but tries to get information from him to which he says it's not my secret to tell and i say way to go alex yeah i really like that line i also really liked when she first approaches him he says what do you want from me more blood a urine sample how about my kidney i was like yes alex you tell her he has every right to be mad. Yeah, I also, like, it doesn't make sense. She, this is, I think, like, the next day, right? Like, Topolsky has just called um, Maria's mom, and it seems like not a lot of time has passed. So, like, why would she think anything has changed? Yeah. She's just expecting that just because they're good friends that he's going to forgive her no matter what. But it's not that unconditional, I guess. And then we get some nice bathroom scenes oh yeah these parallel scenes yeah with maria wearing the most ridiculous chunky sleeveless turtleneck that i have ever seen in my life also the neck part is not tight enough to cover up the hickeys that she's trying to cover up no liz says it's 105 degrees which seems excessive and like sleeveless or not, that's a thick material. Oh yeah, yeah. And it it's clearly synthetic. That's not breathing. Ugh. 
And then we parallel over to the boys' bathroom where the boys are having a conversation while using the urinals. Is that something that men do? Do they just casually conversate while staring straight ahead? I have no they- idea. I mean, I know girls sometimes talk in bathroom stalls. I feel like that's weird. I don't do that. I hate that. Um, please, oh, please pee in silence and don't talk to me. <laughs> um, but it Noted. just seems weird. And then also Max washes his hands, but Michael doesn't. Ew, I didn't notice that. Also, I don't know much about urinal etiquette, but I do know that if you are the first one in the bathroom, you do not go to the middle one. Granted, maybe there was someone at the side one before Michael came in, so he had to use the middle one. But um, no, I know that you like try, they try not to be next, directly next to somebody else at a urinal if they can help it. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. I do like that Michael is sitting on the sink or next to the sink and there is a descendant sticker on the hand dryer or paper towel machine in the boys bathroom and i enjoyed that because i listened to a lot of descendants in high school so clearly someone at west roswell high was doing the same and topolsky's white water rafting poster that was in her office has been moved to the girl's bathroom since she <laughs> departed how weird it had to go somewhere I mean, and she didn't take it with her. She only took her UFO museum mug. Right. I also really like the line that Michael gets where Max is like, hey, you should have talked to me when you were having these urges. And Michael's like, well, I hate to tell you this, Max, but when I have urges, you're not exactly the first person I think of. And I was like, ha ha ha, no, think of him, make out, do it. Michael has a few good lines in this scene. Like when Max tries to tell him, well, like, you know, we're supposed to talk about this, all that. And he's like... It feels so wrong, but it feels so good. (laughs) I hated that. I thought that he, like, I didn't think Brendan Fair could deliver that convincingly. It's such a bad piece of dialogue. And I feel like he he was just saying it like, well, I have to say this line, so I'm going to say it, but I'm not going to like it and you're not going to believe it. (laughs) And then it cuts to Liz and Maria with Liz being like, because it feels good. What kind of answer is that? Yeah, I don't. Does Liz not understand what kissing even is? I mean, obviously not. She hasn't been getting very much practice lately. Although she's been seeing plenty of it all yes, around her. true. And obviously it feels good. That's why everybody is doing it. Yeah. Right? Maybe Kyle was just a terrible kisser, and that's why they broke up, and so she doesn't get that it's supposed to feel good. Uh, some some people who are feeling good are Maria and Michael, who go back to making out, or as Maria calls it, sucking face. Gross. And Maria wants a date, and Michael tells her Friday is, like, years from now, and he can't be bothered to think that far in advance. Do you notice where they are also? I believe they are in the infamous eraser room. They are. I think that's what Maria says. Like, that's everyone's go-to spot. I'm surprised it's even available with all the people making out. Well, people are no longer trying to hide it. Yeah, I was going to say, nobody else is hiding. (laughs) So, yeah, interesting conversation they have. He's like, like what? She's like, like, exchange pleasantries. (laughs) That was cute. (laughs) She's making an effort, and he is not. He is just sucking her face. Gross. So gross. And her (laughs) neck, apparently. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Luckily, we don't have to stay in that scene for too long. We go watch Amy peddling her little alien wares to Jeff Parker. It's really cute. And we find out she has a store. The sheriff comes in. He opens the door properly, according to the signage on the doors. 
And he comes here looking for Amy and then, like, essentially says to Jeff, whose place of business he has walked into, like, hey, man, give us a minute. I want to talk to her alone. And Jeff is like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just leave the counter where I serve food to my patrons and go do something else. Um, But even before that, when she's still peddling these... What are they exactly? At first I thought it was straws, and then they looked like pens. They're cocktail cocktail stirrers. Cocktail stirrers. Okay, that makes sense. But we get our very first laugh of the episode. Ah. It is one of two laughs in the episode um, of like an actual ha-ha-ha, multiple-syllable laugh. Um, (laughs) But is it genuine? I don't think so, because she's trying to sell things. But it still counts as a laugh. She's trying to be personable and make a sale. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still counting it as one of two laughs in this episode. Exciting. I can't wait to hear about the other one. Stay tuned and I will tell you all about it. And then we find out that Sheriff Valenti arrested Amy when she was 18 years old because he thought she was cute. That's like... Boys punching <laughs> girls that he think that they think are cute, but with worse consequences. Well, I don't want to say worse, different consequences. Also, okay, but Amy's story. This is so dumb. This poor character. Why would they give her this? She was protesting to protect a piece of Native American architecture that the Native Americans wanted torn down, and she's like, "Well, that's not really the point." And the sheriff's like, "Yeah, it is the point." She also says that they were uh, raping the town of its history. I no, let's not use that word for that. So I was like super cringy over Amy, and then the sheriff goes on to be like, "You were wearing a little skirt and your cowboy boots, and I had to arrest somebody." I'm like, "No, no, you did not. You did not have to arrest anybody, and you definitely should not be arresting people because you think they're attractive." This is a lawsuit. I want to bring a lawsuit. Yeah, he's all like, ooh, well, I just arrested you because I had a crush on you. Ha 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 ha. Be charmed by it. You know, it's like you're supposed to be charmed that I arrested you because I thought you were cute. Like, fuck you. No. And if we think that their age difference in the show is similar to their age difference in real life, he was almost 40 years old going after this teenager who we assume was either already a young mother at that time or pregnant and deciding to throw her in jail unnecessarily to take her away from her family so that he could, what, like, ogle her? No, that's, that's no. oh, mm, mm, I want to get the ACLU involved. Yeah, it's really not right. And so I also, like, he said he went to the store to look for her and then he came by the diner. Did he seek her out just to apologize for this thing from 10 years ago? More than 10 years ago. I mean, it's got to be at least 16 years ago, unless she already had Maria at that point. That's true. Um, No, he sought her out so that he could ask her out. Yeah. It's gross. I don't like it. Also, this is is where he says, good to see you again. And I'm like, they haven't seen each other since then? Like, how is that even possible? She's a business owner in the town where he's a sheriff. And again, their kids go to school together and are in the same year. Yeah. Yeah. And her daughter's best friend dated his son. Right. Yeah, I whatever. The only thing I thought was cute about this scene is when Amy's like, "Oh, Maria, you remember Jim?" and Maria's just like, "Jim." And Mahandra Delfino's line <laughs> delivery is adorable. Yes. <laughs> I liked that part as well. The only good part of that scene. Then we go back to school where Liz and Isabel are hanging out together because all of a sudden they're friends. 
And they're got- painting they're painting their toenails at school. I'm into it. Well, and Maria's out of school already. She's gone to the diner. So is this, are they just hanging out on school grounds after school? I mean, I guess that's possible. Yeah. Why, though? And, like, again, why are they hanging out together? Who's giving them a ride home? Well, Isabel, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. Why is Liz so obsessed with romance is the real question. She's basically like, Isabel, you're so pretty. All the guys want you. Why don't you move forward with any of it? And Isabel is like, for legitimate reasons, leave me alone. You're the worst. (laughs) That's why I rewrote the scene in my head. Really, Isabel's like insecure and she's hiding her alien secret. And I don't like that. I know she needs to hide the alien secret, but they play it as though that's an extension of her existing insecurities about who she is. And I feel like Isabel's a really confident character. And I know she's young. I know all teenagers, all teenagers have insecurities but I just don't buy it from her. I know you mentioned that you have started reading the books a little bit. I don't know how far into them you are. Maybe you only read the first one. But they do um, play into her like fears about being exposed a lot more in the books. Um, and that that is a really big source of fear and insecurity for her. Um, like I, She's not just this like outwardly confident person in the books. Like She has a lot more going on to her in the books that we haven't gotten to see in the show yet. Mm. I will say she's one of the few characters that I like a lot better in the show. A lot of the characters I thought were more sympathetic in that one book that I read. But Isabel is awful in that Mm -hmm. book. She's so mean. And she doesn't have a lot of depth to her character. It's very one-dimensional. So she at least gets a lot more to do in the show. And I think a, a large part of that is, I mean, part of it's the writing, but part of it's Catherine Heigl just a good actor she's great she mm. does a lot with what she's given yeah for Which sure so far has not been that much <laughs> not enough isabel says here liz has known alex forever but we've established they've known each other for five years yep so that's forever I'm like this seems like something isabel would know Anyway, so in this scene also, Isabel uses her powers to take the color of the flowers <laughs> on Liz's flip-flops or sandals or whatever and then changes the clear nail polish that Liz has been painting her toenails with. Which cool, so pretty, but my first thought is like she has not finished her base coat yet. <laughs> and you're turning it blue, and then my other thought is Unless that wasn't a base coat and she's just painting clear nail polish on her toes. I can understand doing that on your fingers, but toes? Uh, I get it. It makes your toenails look a little nicer if you're a person who has toenail insecurity. If your toenails are like rough or whatever. I know people who do this. Okay. All right. Fair. But then if she wasn't just doing that, I mean, either way. Like, ask first before you change the color of somebody's nail polish. (laughs) Maybe she just wanted the clear, but whatever. But it was a cute parlor trick. Yeah, it totally was. I'm just overthinking it. (laughs) Well, since Liz isn't sure what Alex is up to, Isabel decides she's going to investigate. And Liz doesn't know what this means, but we do. It means we get to see more pink satin pajamas. More dream walking. Yeah. I have to say, they quickly, before we get into the dreamwalking, they show Alex in his bed and the way he is gyrating. (laughs) I am shocked at how innocent this dream ended up being. I was like, oh, we're going to get more porn for sure. (laughs) 
Dear Lord. <laughs> I guess so. Um, yeah, so Isabel's in these PJs. They're at school. Alex goes into this, like, ballroom. I guess it's the gymnasium or whatever. There is so much noise from his wallet chain in this scene when he's just walking from the hallway. <laughs> we get more of it later in the episode. I don't know who was on Foley this day or something, but, like, oh, it, oh wow, it was a lot. Anyway, anyway, the dream is really sweet. And we get a cameo from the band Save Ferris, who, if you are a fan of the movie 10 Things I Hate About You, you also saw them perform in the prom scene of that movie. Oh, yeah. I saw them. I saw them perform for $10 at this crazy theater space called The Phoenix in my home area when I was in high school. Right around the time the show would have been on, I was probably a senior. In fact, I know I was a senior. So, during season one of this show. Oh, cool. So, a little more than Isabel and Alex paid, but still. (laughs) Yeah, still a great deal. I mean, (laughs) twice as much as I paid for seeing Dido for $5 also that year. So, this, uh, so, Safe Ferris is back together now. So, Lorena, you could go see them again if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on tour. I'll see when they're coming to New York. Uh, but so I think this is really nice because Isabel, we gather from this and later scenes, is used to men just kind of being gross and pervy and just wanting her very nice body. But she also has a very nice personality. And Alex is the only one that we've seen so far be interested in that romantically. And so it, the dream really focuses on him wanting her to open up to him. And it's just very sweet that this would be like, I don't want to say his innermost desire, but even when he has no inhibitions and this is in his subconscious, he still is very respectful of her. He just wants to get to know her better. He wants her to feel comfortable with him. It's really nice. He's saying all the right things. He's like saying such sweet things that totally apply to her opening up about being an alien and he doesn't even know. Mm -hmm. I wrote down that Alex has very classy dreams. (laughs) Mm, He sure does. But that still take place in the school. It's like they have, you know, a area for the band to play and this table set up for a fancy romantic date. But then there are like classroom desks and chairs like behind it all. So I thought that was weird. I think they were going for that surrealist dream thing where, you're, like, yeah. you know, you're in one space and then, oh, all of a sudden you're in another space and it feels normal in the dream. But in real life, it's weird. But I don't think they pulled it off well. Yeah. But yeah, that weird dream thing where like you're in a space that looks nothing like school, but you know it's school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isabel looks fantastic in this red dress. Yes. And Alex is wearing a tux and yes. is super smooth. He's just like less bumbly awkward. He's like smooth. He's like the other Xander in the Buffy episode, <laughs> yeah. The Replacement. Oh my gosh, he totally well, is. And, That's what it reminded me well, of. Well, in his dreams, he obviously gets to be the best version of himself. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's something too about him finally feeling like, I don't want to say like he has the upper hand with Isabel, but I think when he sees her, he's always just so flustered and he always feels so out of sorts. And so here he's in his element and he's confident and so he can talk to her in this way to invite her to open up to him rather than what he does in real life, which is try to protect himself from getting hurt by her because 
she's so out of his league that he just feels like anything he does is going to end in rejection. And we can see why he might think this when we look at Isabel in this blue ribbed tank top that she is wearing in the next scene. I don't mean to keep talking about Isabel's body because they don't want to objectify her, but I don't recall anyone that I went to high school with looking like this. So this would have been uh, quite the moment at school, I would imagine. Also, her hair looked so cool in this scene. Mm -hmm. She -hmm. had like multiple of those toothy clips. I don't know what else to call them in her hair. And it just looked really cool. Yeah, she was not as cool as Max immediately was like, why are you blushing? What's going on? You seem a little flushed. And she's like, oh, uh, no, it's just that Alex is a complex individual with a lot of uh, complexities. It's cool, bye. <laughs> it's just hot out. It's just the heat. Mm-hmm. And then we get yet another bathroom scene where Michael is complaining that Maria doesn't think the eraser room is enough for her. Like, I don't understand how he would not think that this was going to happen. Like, she was always just going to want to make out and not tell anyone about it and not have a conversation. But what's interesting is, like, at first it seems like he's just being shitty and he's, like, you know, only wanting the sexual aspects of it. But then as he keeps talking, it seems like uh, really that what he's worried about is that he's going to hurt her, that that who he is isn't good enough for her or that he's too dangerous. I thought this was interesting because I think we see a lot of this from Max where he's like, well, you know, who I am as an alien is going to hurt her. And I kind of get the sense from Michael that he didn't just mean that. He meant like who he is as a person and the patterns that he tends to repeat and the way that he isn't able to open up to people and isn't able to emotionally give Maria what she wants as opposed to Max who's just like, oh, I'm an alien. No good reason. Yeah, totally. That's exactly what I was right. thinking. And then we have our great science room scene. Let's make the slugs mate. <laughs> so Liz once again is sitting in a dark, empty classroom in the middle of the school day. Why? Why do they have all these empty rooms lying around? Free period? Well, it has to be dark to set the mood for the slugs. <laughs> okay, I went down something of a rabbit hole on slug mating because I saw this oh, no. and I thought, can you make slugs mate? I don't think so. Okay, so here are the facts, kids. Most slugs are simultaneous hermaphrodites, meaning they have both male and female reproductive organs and they can therefore reproduce asexually. They can, however, also mate with other slugs. And in our show notes, I'll post a video that you will find either very cute or totally repulsive or both. Uh, It is of slug mating and it is narrated. Is it leopard slugs? I think it is. And it's... It's beautiful. It's narrated by David Attenborough. Um, So... I won't get too much into it other than to tell you that the phrase mucus rope is Ew. heavily involved. Ew. So if you don't think you want to see what that looks like, maybe don't watch it. No. But I, I will say the logistics of this make me think it is absolutely not going to happen in the little metal dish that Liz has. So I don't know if if the one I'm thinking of is the mucus rope David Attenborough one, but um, everybody, please look up leopard slugs mating because it is beautiful or disgusting maybe it's disgusting but it's also quite breathtaking give it a chance i don't know if i trust you (laughs) just give it a chance give slugs a chance (laughs) uh 
So I thought Max's stupid little one, maybe one of them's gay joke. I was like, whatever, I don't need it. But also, it's a little bit relevant because the slugs mate by intertwining their male sex organs with each other and passing sperm from one to the other. So hey, Max, maybe they're all kind of gay because everyone's gay. Max. So we get into my big question now. We've talked about this. Max doesn't really have a good reason. But I'm also like, what is his plan? If he's saying, I can't date you because I'm an alien and you're a human. As far as we know, as far as they know, there is potentially one other alien out there who is much older than them, is a man, is potentially dead by this point. Uh, Depending on how they age, he's definitely like really old. Is Max never planning to date anyone? The only female alien that we know of is his sister and the other the only other alien their age is michael who doesn't think of him when he has urges so that's probably not going to work out (laughs) so like is max just gonna be celibate for the rest of his life is this his plan this doesn't seem well thought through it sounds like it sounds like it is his plan and i feel like he is the type to like martyr himself to like sacrifice his happiness for something that he thinks is right but i agree like why why is it right and what is the long-term plan here i don't think he has one and i would like to say there's nothing wrong with celibacy there's nothing wrong with anyone who is asexual or aromantic if it's not something you want that's great but it's clearly something max wants and he's denying it for a reason that doesn't really exist i think it's just one of these things that he tells himself so that he doesn't have to deal with the emotional reality of his feelings for Liz. Yeah. Um, But then Liz does try to talk to him about it. And basically being like, it's not fair is essentially what she's saying. That like, Mm -hmm. how come Michael and Maria can make out and do all that and we can't? Um, You know, and he basically is like, well, it's what's better for us. He's saying basically, you know, it's not us not working out that I'm afraid of. It's us working out and this and that and and how he's afraid. And he makes this decision for both of them. And then she says, that's not your decision, is it? And I was so proud of her for that because I am like really tired of the whole trope of, um, you know, I didn't want to hurt you as an excuse for doing something that still is hurting someone. Mm -hmm. You know, because often it's... and, And we see that again later with Michael avoiding maria because he's afraid of hurting her when like avoiding also hurts um and i'm just sick of this trope and i'm glad that liz called him out and said well it's not only your decision there are two people here i yeah i get that and i appreciate that but i also Liz says like it's not your decision but it's also not hers both people have to be on the same page and so i feel like if max really isn't emotionally ready for this relationship then Liz should respect that. And we do see that he comes around in his own time when he's ready for it. And so I don't love her pressuring him into this. I like the situation between Maria and Michael a lot better. The conversation where Maria is just like later on at the soap factory, very clear about her boundaries and her needs and her expectations. And just is like, this is what I want. And Michael's like, well, I can't give that to you. And she's like, okay, then we're done. And so I sort of, I like that. Um, I also noticed that Liz touches Max's hands, and even though she was wearing gloves to prod at the poor slugs, they have magically come off so that she can lovingly stroke Max's hand. (laughs) 
just another one of these things. But I do like when the teacher finally shows up because she's just left a student alone in her classroom to perform science experiments. I thought this was an adorable little exchange at the end where she says, hey, Liz, how are you doing on your mating ritual? And Liz, who's like about to maybe kiss Max, is like, well, I was doing just fine. Yes, I, I, like, ah, I loved her little <laughs> attitude there. Like just a tiny hint of attitude, like not like really sassy, yeah. just like a little. Yeah, it's it's pretty cute. So that got a laugh for me, Aliza, but I don't think that counts for your list. No, it doesn't, but I'm glad that you laughed. (laughs) (laughs) And then we head outside the school again, where Isabel goes to find Alex and invite him to go to the party. And Alex is like so shocked by it. He has this adorable cute little shocked face when Isabel is like meet me there at eight and he's the look on his face is just so cute (laughs) yeah he's very flustered I also really like Isabel asking him out but you don't reach over and unbutton someone's shirt that's not cool no doesn't matter how ugly the shirt is (laughs) (laughs) she does it again at the soap factory party like you can't just start undressing people because you feel like it no ugh Isabel but then we get to head to the party. Yeah, so we get more male gazy moments of these mm-hmm. teenage girls in some outfits. Yep. Yeah, Maria is like straight out of a disco. Yeah. Her hair, totally. her shirt, she just looks like back to like the 60s, 70s. I, I feel like, okay, if teenage girls are picking out these clothes for themselves and wearing it, fine. I don't want to like slut shame anyone or whatever. But like these were grown-up people picking out these clothes to make teenage girls look sexy for an audience, and so it just feels icky to me. Maria's not wearing a lot. No, she's not. I definitely owned clothes like that at that age, though. Well, slightly older, because around the same time the show was out. I definitely had shirts like that, and little mini skirts, and I don't know where I wore them, because I didn't really go to parties or anything but maybe i just wore them to school we didn't really have a dress code i don't know but no I, soap fa- factories no around you no i mean i guess maybe i wore it to the save ferris concert but i definitely had some little tiny tops like that where it's just like a little string tying in the back and you can't wear a bra with it because where would the bra go and like yeah definitely had some clothes like that at what would have been age 17 because I graduated from high school at 17. So the DJ guys show up and I'm really confused about what their plan is because someone's already playing music. Well, they put on different music that is pretty much the same as the music that was already on. (laughs) What is the point of this? (laughs) They're drunk. Whatever. Whatever. One of them, Octavio, is played by Trevor Lissauer. He's the gross guy who calls Liz Babe Rama and hits on her. Ugh. He plays Miles Goodman in the college years of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's a much better character <gasps> than this one. That's where I'm from. <laughs> I forgot to look it up. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. I like him in that show a lot. Yeah. He's like awkward and sciencey and cute. In this, he's disgusting. And this is one of my least favorite things when a man is hitting on a woman and the woman's like i'm not interested i'm not interested and he's like of course you're interested and then another man shows up and the guy who's hitting on the woman is like oh i'm sorry i didn't know she was owned by another man i will leave her alone now because i cede this to you fellow man not at all to the woman because i have no respect for her and she couldn't possibly know what it is that she wants because what she wants is me to have sex with her 
Yeah, it's like they can't deal with the idea that a woman might not be interested. So it must be just that she has another uh, another man in her life. Oh, another man. Okay, that's why she didn't want me. Great. It's gross. It's like the woman has to be spoken for by some man or yeah. else what is her purpose on this earth? okay i hate it a lot i mean even i will tell you from experience even when you're out at a bar being hit on by a creepy man even if you try to say you know if you're out with a girlfriend who and you you know you're not in a relationship even if you say oh i'm with her we're we're together you start getting grosser questions and they don't really leave you alone because it actually needs to be a man that you are taken by Mm -hmm. for them to leave you alone Yes, it has to be another human, which means a man. Yeah, right, right, of course. Women aren't human. So I, like, I wouldn't have minded this because it is a real thing. Yeah. I don't like seeing it reinforced in TV, but, like, I would have felt a lot better about it if they had had Liz stand up to him and be like, no, I'm not taken by this man. I'm not taken by anyone. I'm just not interested in you. And I already told you that. So get lost. Yeah, it would have been I feel like when you just, when you just show this interaction without, commenting on it without subverting it in any way then it's almost like you're presenting it as like well this is fine this is the way the world works and it's not it's not fine so max does show up and he tells liz he's been waiting for this for a long time what is he talking about what has he been waiting for a soap factory party (laughs) she told about like two days ago just found out about yeah 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 to go on a date with her but he kept telling her he didn't want to go on a date with her to but i mean he did he just didn't he just didn't think he should. You know, it wasn't that he didn't like her. It was that he didn't feel like it was okay for him to be with her. So the next scene with Maria and Michael is a bummer. Uh, Maria, I, I really, like I said, I really like how Maria handles this. And I like that she starts out, I'm like, this is a literary reference I wouldn't expect her to have. Where she says, I'm not some Pollyanna. I don't think what we have mm-hmm. is true love. I'm like, aw. That's so sad. But also, like, they don't know each other that well. So, yeah, it's not true love. But she stands up for herself. She says, like, I don't understand why you're avoiding me. And that hurts me. Like, she tells him. She's very upfront about Mm -hmm. it. Like, this is... This is what you are. This is the behavior I see you doing. And this is how it makes me feel. And then when he initially doesn't respond, she's ready to walk away. Like, she's not standing there like, just talk to me. Just tell me. She's like, okay. And so then, like, he's still kind of a jerk. But he at least, like, tries to tell her... Again, I don't think this is Brendan Fair's strongest acting. I feel like he didn't believe the script, which I also don't believe, where he's just like, I'm a loner. That's the way it's got to be. And then she's, I, Mahandra Delfino's very convincing being on the verge of tears. I really felt for her here. Mm-hmm. But she's just like, okay, I'm going to cut my losses. Like, you're not worth the emotional turmoil. Yeah. yeah, we had a few good makeouts, but whatever. Moving on. Yeah, good for her. I hope she finds someone who treats her well. And he says, he's like, I'm not used to this. And she's like, used to what? And he's like, getting this intense, right? And he's implying like that she's getting intense when really he's the one that's getting intense. I feel like it's it's because he's starting to have like feelings maybe, or he's like starting to worry about how, who he is, like you said, not just the alien, but who he is as Michael, um, how could how it could affect her and i think he's the one getting intense here mm-hmm. at least as intense as her if not more yeah for sure um okay so then we go to a somewhat less intense scene or at least it starts out that way between isabel and alex where isabel says most guys are just disgusting animals whose sole purpose in life is to try to maul me to which i say oh girl 
We all have been there. And she tells Alex he's different. And I know that she's playing him here. She's trying to get him to, like, agree to protect them. But I kind of think she means it, Oh, I think she does, too. I think what she saw in the dream and why she's so flustered the next morning talking to Max is because it really, she sees him in a different light. She sees him for who he is, and she knows she can trust him. Even if she is playing that up to get what she needs in this moment or what they need for their safety, she truly believes that he is that good person yeah it's really sweet which is why it's a bummer that he then thinks she's just trying to use him yeah yeah he wasn't listening and you know i understand he's on edge and and feels betrayed by a lot of people and like by his close friends but um but she was starting to say like that's why i know i can trust you he wasn't listening he just jumped to conclusions Mm-hmm. and we get one more male gazy moment at this party. We're at this party where we think everyone who's there is basically a high schooler. There are some random women dancing up on these elevated platforms for everyone to look at. So that's fun. Hopefully by choice because they wanted to dance on a platform. Hopefully. But like, again, this is all things. It's so hard for me to watch a TV show like this because it's like, yeah, if women were doing that at a club and like someone wanted to get up on a platform, fine. But like, this is a TV show where they went up to young women and they were like, all right, you're going to be go-go dancer number three. And like teenagers. this woman's right. They're teen. Well, they're playing teenagers at right. least. Right. And like they stood there all day and did that for the camera. I hope they got a sad card out of it. Yeah, I hope so. I hope they got paid well. At least. Um, So Liz and Max decide to head to the dance floor. And this is where we get our second laugh, second and last laugh of the episode. (laughs) Um, But why? They go onto the dance floor. She starts dancing. He kind of steps around her and she laughs. I'm not sure what he did that made her laugh. Just she's just like being flirty, but it is a more genuine laugh than Amy DeLuca's. So I'll give her that. Okay. Interesting. Maybe he tickled her with his mind. Ooh. Yeah, maybe it's an alieny thing. And then we get a scene that I didn't need where Jim and Amy are on a date. Mm-hmm. So weird. It's weird. And I don't like it. And this is also where Jim mentions, like, oh, yeah, before Michelle and I broke up. So presumably this is Kyle's mother, based on the way that he's talking about her. So it sounds like she's still around somewhere. Does Kyle just never see her? I felt very sad for Kyle in this moment. Because we never hear about him going to spend time with mom. We never see him going to spend time with mom, at least so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, he has one parent in his life. Yeah. So I wonder why she's not involved. And then the sheriff has to leave because there's been a disturbance across town. I hope he's not driving his duty vehicle, unless those are virgin margaritas on the table. Yeah, he was like halfway done with a margarita. But even before that, in during their conversation, you know, she's just commiserating and talking about her kid and this and that. And, oh, this whole Alex thing. And he like perks up. He's like, Alex? Hmm? It's like, stop trying to dig for information from your date. You're not here on the clock. Yeah, he's got an agenda. Oh, yeah, I didn't like that. And then he also, when he leaves, um, I really hope he stopped by the front to pay for the bill because yeah. otherwise he's just going to run out and leave her to pay. He didn't put any money on that table. No, he didn't. 
Yeah, it, that really sucks. He left her with like half her meal or half her drink, whatever. It's like, poor Amy. And I think they were eating chips and stuff. So like if they had already ordered their entrees, was she just going to sit there and yeah. wait on them? And then just eat it by herself. <laughs> maybe she wraps one up and takes it home to Maria. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe she gets this, gets it all boxed up and goes home. Do y'all think Maria knows at this point that Amy's on a date with Jim? Like, do you think Amy told her? Do you think Amy was just like, I'm going out for a while, bye? Well, Maria's at the party, so she maybe doesn't even know that her mom also went out. Yeah, I feel like she probably doesn't. And unlike the books, Maria doesn't seem to have a little brother who she might have to babysit if her mom was going out. Oh. I hope that we get to see Maria find out that her mom's been going on dates with Jim. Because I want to see that reaction. That sounds like Elisa's prediction. Oh, right. Yes. We'll save. save it for the end. We go back to the soap factory to see Max and Liz go out for quiet and privacy. And here is where we get maybe my one of my bigger ugh male gaze moments where Kyle is fully dressed, making out with Vicky outside mm-hmm. in public, essentially in this parking lot, in a truck, not comfortable, no. in her bra. Teenage girl in her bra for no reason. Stop. So, I, I mean, I see. I saw it as like there was a reason and it was because they were making out and I agree his shirt should be off if her shirt is off. But the thing that pissed me off is like here we have Max and Liz about to kiss again. Not only does Kyle interrupt them, which is rude, he also calls attention to himself and this girl who is not dressed who he should be giving all his attention to. Yeah. He calls attention. It's like, does she want to be seen by people when she's just in her bra? And like, you, I'm sure this girl had all these insecurities already because it seems like Kyle won't shut up about Liz. Yeah. And now she's like, oh, cool. We were having a great time. And then you saw your ex about to kiss someone else. And you were like, look over here at this tapless chick I'm with. Stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. Fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like I alternate from scene to scene between being like, poor Kyle, his life is so hard. And be like, Kyle. Yeah. What a jerk. Stop it. Get better. <laughs> and then cut back into the party. The cops are showing up. And Octavio, you bastard, passing off the liquor <laughs> to Alex and Liz. But why did they just take them? They both just look at them stupidly. What? Like, what huh? is this? What just appeared in my hand? <laughs> And Jim also comes up to them like three seconds later. Yeah. He has to have seen that this person just handed yeah. them this alcohol. Oh, absolutely. And like, he doesn't care. He's just like, whatever. Excuse no, he has to go to jail. Agenda. Yay. Yeah. He's like, ooh, here's my opportunity to put them in jail and yeah. force them to answer questions. I do really like when they go to jail when Liz is like, Alex, 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 talk to me. Alex, talk to me. Alex, I'm not respecting your wishes at all, Alex. He's just like, shut up, Liz. Yeah. And I was like, yes, yes, Alex. Yes. You this tell is her. totally fine. I am usually not a fan of people yelling at each other, but like, dude, she's being so disrespectful. And she's just pushing and pushing and pushing him through the bars of this jail cell. This is a very stupid setup for a jail cell. Yeah. That has apparently no surveillance. Right? Because this yeah. top secret, you know, thing that she can't tell anyone, she couldn't even tell him, now she can say it in a building with other people around? 
Yeah, and Sheriff Valenti right around uh-huh. there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So Sheriff comes in and tells them, Liz and Alex, your parents agreed that sometime in jail might make you remember what your priorities are. He's Bullshit. definitely lying. Bullshit. Oh, absolutely. They immediately should be like, we're juveniles. We have rights. You absolutely can't keep us here without telling our parents, like, let me let me see. Like, you have to... Ugh, the whole thing. Like, their parents were clearly never notified. He ends up releasing them just on their own recognizance. Like, he doesn't release them to anyone. At this point, like, the county, the sheriff's acting in loco parentis for legal purposes. You can't just release them on their own. Like, you have to release them to someone, to a parent or legal guardian. And you definitely have to notify a parent or legal guardian, and, and like, they can request counsel if that's something that they want. Ugh, this whole thing. And Alex knew all this. I mean, he was like, I may be a teenager, but I know my rights. Yet he waited so long to bring that up and to make that argument and instead was like trying to sleep as Liz every three seconds is like, Alex, 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 Alex. It like reminds me of my cat in the morning when he wants his (laughs) his breakfast. It's just, mom, mom, mom. It's, yeah, it's like a toddler who's just like, I want this. I want it. I want it. You exist only to please me. Like, uh, Liz. And also, Isabel and Max are just sitting outside in the Jeep. But, like, they don't wait long enough because they're not there right. when Liz and Alex get out. So they just showed up, <laughs> sat around for a little while, had a chat, and then left. Yeah, they were there just to see all yeah. the other guys come out. And then they're like, well, they didn't release Liz and Alex, so I guess we'll go. And where was Michael? Did he make it home on his own? Did he go with Maria? Maybe he's laying on the gross floor of the crash down with Maria. Ugh. But we do then get to hear Isabel say she thinks they'd be better off including Alex, which is what I was saying last week. Thanks for finally listening, Mm -hmm. Isabel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she thinks that they can trust him. So we're seeing maybe her feelings towards him are developing a little bit the more she thinks about him. Mm -hmm. So then we get the scene where Liz tells Alex and like, I, I couldn't care about this. I don't know. I didn't find it very compelling. And But she does do the whole like pointing up thing and him being like, Wyoming? Yes. Okay, they're Canucks. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Canada? Well, and then, this is the only time so far that we've gotten an acknowledgement of some sort of parallel between aliens and aliens when he mm-hmm. says, so what, you're saying the FBI is all over them because they're like illegal aliens, meaning immigrants. Like, it's kind of cute, but it's also, like, it's the first time the show even hints at this, and it's just as a punchline, so mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's clearly not an issue they're going to explore. And then, like, Alex would know that's not what the FBI does. If anything, that would be, at this time, the INS, now ICE, would be the ones looking into immigration issues, and, like, they wouldn't be going after a couple of minors. No. So it's still, from his perspective, shouldn't make any sense. But then Valenti comes back and Alex finally stands up to Valenti and is like, I am a kid. Get me the fuck out of here. I am 16 years old, dude. Yep. And I hate the Alex has had good lines in this episode. And this is not one of them where he says he was at a party and all he wanted to do was engage in some depraved activity like drinking or sex. Sex is not depraved. It's not depraved. It's fine. Do it with consent. 
enthusiastic consent between or among all partners. I would say consenting adults. For teenagers, it's fine as long as you're physically and emotionally ready and you are practicing safer sex practices. But whatever, it's TV, so sex is a disgusting activity that we can't talk about. But have you seen the 16-year-old girl's legs? Let me show you them again. (laughs) Gross. So when they get outside, Max and Isabel have gone, like we said. And also, like we said, Jim is just like, okay, bye, get out, go home, I don't care, whatever. And they're just like walking You threatened to sue me, so just leave. Yeah. (laughs) Alex gets another cute line where he's like, part of me feels like you've gone insane. And the other part of me feels like I want some of the massive doses of hallucinogens you've obviously been taking. Cute. I like it. And he doesn't believe in aliens. And Liz is like, well, I didn't believe until I met some aliens. He's not convinced that this is the truth, but he believes that she believes it. So now they're friends again and everything is forgotten and he's not even a little bit mad. But he was so mad about the drugs when he thought it was that. What's another depraved activity, Aliza? Oh, right. Whatever. So she's telling him the truth and now they're all buddies again. And he knows the actual truth, but he doesn't believe it yet. So we'll see. If and when he comes around. Mm -hmm. So we close with Liz on her balcony, Max coming up below her, very Romeo and Juliet. Wherefore art thou an alien? (laughs) Liz thinks she's the only person who didn't benefit from the heat wave because the only benefit is smoochies. I'm like, Liz, you just got your best friend back. And she's, or her, I'm going to put best friend in air quotes because like, obviously Maria is her best friend. Alex isn't. But she then says, oh, well, if Max and I had kissed, it would have taken us to somewhere we never should have gone. And I'm like, oh, where? But we're going to find out because she's going to immediately forget about this and make out with him. Yep, yep, yep. This is a place where we get different songs from the original in ways that I think are noteworthy. In the original, their first kiss is to Gomez's We Haven't Turned Around and we get Steve Reynolds' Satellite. There was also at the beginning for Michael and Maria's kissy scene, there was originally a Santana song featuring Everlast. Hmm. And instead of that, we got a Morphic Field song. So if you're interested, go watch these scenes again, but put it on mute and put the original music on and see how the experience changes. Ooh. So most of my notes for this scene were just mushy, mushy, blah, blah, blah. And then they kiss. <laughs> I want to point out here, we talk about consent a lot. I think Max does a really good job of non-verbally asking for consent here. And I think this is, I think it's a tricky conversation because we talk a lot about like verbal consent. Um, But I do think that there are ways that you can ask for consent without saying like, is it okay if I kiss you now? And I think Max does a really good job of giving Liz the opportunity where like he moves closer to her and then waits for her to reciprocate. So he's not, like, forcing anything. He's making sure that she wants it before he goes for the kiss. And I thought that was nice. Also, she had been pretty clear about wanting it for the entire episode. Right. But, like, in that moment, she might have been, you know, not in the mood or whatever. I also noticed um, he was on the street level and was like, Liz, waited till she came out and then asked her, can I come up? Which I really liked. Mm -hmm. He didn't just show up you know, inches away from her at her bed on the other side of the window. He was all the way down there and asked if it was okay for him to come up. I liked that. It's very sweet. And, like, he's very romantic. He tells her he's much better at expressing himself than Michael is. He says, no matter what we go through, it's all worthwhile for me because we're together. And, like, again, I just think it's really sappy. But for a 16-year-old girl to hear, I'm sure it's lovely. Yeah, 
Totally. No one ever said that to me when I was 16 or ever. Me neither. Anyway. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> so, listeners, you may notice something a little different this time as we get into our hot and saucy, which is that the jingle is finally ready. So, Yay. here you go. Now let's see who's hot and saucy. Saucy. So with that awesome new jingle, who is everybody's pick for hot and saucy? Well, I do feel like I couldn't go through this episode and not pick either just Maria or Maria and Michael together. Um, just because I just love them together um so i would say because i didn't like the oh my god oh my god um i think the hottest part is at the beginning like literally hot and it's pretty hot if you ignore the fact that they are lying on a dirty floor (laughs) (laughs) it's hot and it's saucy if you yeah because there's ketchup about the the ketchup yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) exactly (laughs) I hate this episode so much. I think this might be my new least favorite episode. I think I disliked it more than I disliked Leaving Normal for different reasons. Like Leaving Normal, I thought was boring and raised a lot of weird metaphysical questions that they didn't answer. This one, I was just like, oh my God, stop objectifying these teenage girls. Stop. I I just didn't want to see it. So I will give my hot and saucy award to Alex for his dream sequence because just wanting to get to know someone as a person is really hot. Alex, great job, buddy. And my hot and saucy pick for today is um, Isabel when she and Liz are weirdly painting their nails together. Um, Also not for necessarily a typical like hot and sexy way, but she is a little vulnerable and explains that it's scary to open up about who you are to people and um but being honest about things also i think is hot yeah totally because honesty and vulnerability is definitely hot yes oh yeah and now it is time for Lisa's predictions. So the next episode that we're going to have is season one, episode 10. It's called The Balance. So what are your predictions for what's going to happen based solely on that episode title? So not based solely on the title, but based on when I was doing my IMDb research for 285 South and River Dog, I saw that Todd thought. Todd Thawley, who plays Eddie, and Ned Romero, who plays River Dog, are in the episode The Balance, which makes me deeply concerned (laughs) because, as we have discussed at length, WB shows, TV shows in general, tend not to do a great job of depicting indigenous people, and so we'll see how that goes. I think they haven't, like we said, they haven't done as poor of a job as I had thought they would. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope that they don't do anything super offensive, but that's always my big fear when there's a storyline that centers around white people interacting with native people. <laughs> Historically, it hasn't gone great. Fingers crossed. We'll, ho- we'll hope for the best. Yeah. 
Like I said earlier, I would love to see, and I kind of predict that at some point we will get a dramatic moment where Maria finds out that her mom is dating the sheriff. So I would really look forward to a little Maria freak out moment because those are always kind of fun. (laughs) Yes. Thanks for joining us for this discussion of season one, episode nine, The Male Gaze. I will do my best to get that title changed on IMDb so it's official. We'll be back in two weeks to discuss episode 10, The Balance. Don't forget to join us next week for our next mini-sode where we will be discussing some of our favorite UFO sightings throughout the world. You can subscribe and rate and review us, please, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Your subscription is great for us and your rates and reviews help other people to find our little podcast. Also, check out our website at roswellhotsauce.com for show notes and other fun tidbits. You can also find us on social media on Twitter and on Instagram at roswellhotsauce. And you can email any questions, suggestions, or feedback to roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Hullett. Our theme music is by David Belcourt. Our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time. What do you want from me? More blood, a urine sample? How about my kidney? <laughs>